0: It is So what So Why would you... The seventeenth day of the month on the mountain of Ararat. Now, you understand the story, the flood of Noah up to this point. The waters are receding. The judgment has passed. But we are told specifically that the ark that saved Noah and his family rested at the mount of Ararat on what date? The 17th day of the 7th month. That 7th month, God will later change in Exodus to to become the first month. Don't ever forget that. This is the 7th month of the civil Hebrew calendar. However, the 7th month in the Hebrew civil calendar in Exodus chapter 12, God changed it I made it the first month of their sacred calendar. So the seventh month and the first month being one and the same. Did you get that? No, you did not get it. So, what happened here that you just read in Genesis chapter 8? The ark that saved Noah and his sons and his family rested on the 17th day of Nisan, resurrection date. The ark that saved the world, Noah and his family, rested, came to a full stop, rested, saved from danger, saved from the flood on the 17th day of Nissan, which is today. Next, I'm trying to show you how God or what he has done in these seasons in the past. So that you can anticipate what he wants to do now. What did he tell us? I am the Lord; I change not. Jesus Christ, he saved in the same yesterday, no, in Noah's time, today, and forevermore. He reaches back and shows you what he has done, so you, you can reach forth and see what he wants to do. Oh, hallelujah! I am getting so excited; I can hardly stand it. Whether you get it or not, I'm getting it. Hallelujah. And it's doing something to my sanctified soul. The second example I want to show you, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Remember, I'm trying to establish for you how God uses this season. From the 14th to the 17th of Nisan. To bring transformation. To bring change. To bring blessing. And to challenge us to a higher life. And higher living. He's done it throughout the generations. In this same season. So in Exodus chapter 12. Verse 41. Or verse 40. Exodus 12. Verse 40. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel. Who lived in Egypt was 430 years. Ha! Ah, look at verse 41. Huge. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years Now, why did the Bible have to make this special emphasis? On that same very day. Is that in your Bible? <laughs> Let me read it again. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years on that very same day. Not the day before, not the day after. All right. On that what? Very same day. It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord, that is Israelites, went out from the land of Egypt. The same season. What happened in Exodus? They had a Passover. On that night, they left. But we are told though, we are given a historical lesson. We are told that they left on the exact anniversary of their coming into Egypt. Yes. The exact same season they arrived there. 430 years later. The exact same day yes. they left. What was that day? Passover day. Yes. If on Passover in Genesis. The ark rested. In Exodus. After 430 years. Israel came out of Egypt. On the same day. Not the day before. Not the day later. God is trying to tell us something about these days. He's trying to sing a song. He's trying to impress us with the understanding of how important and significant the revelation in and through these days has for us. Unbelievable. Now, let me chill down a little bit. Let me read a scripture for you. Psalms 89 verse 15. Give it to me in the Amplified translation. Psalms 89 verse 15. In the Amplified. Folks, all we have is the biblical record that God has given us. And the power of the Holy Spirit to breathe on them to help me and you get revelation. So, we must be students of the Bible. After all the shouting and all the dancing and all the praising, we better know the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is only going to breathe upon the Word of God, not upon my shouting. Look at what it says Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied. Are the people that are just shouting? Oh, come on. Are the people who know. What do you know, Greg? Coach, what do you know? Do you know that you are living in a season of transformation? Do you know that you are living in a season of God's blessings? Do you know that you are living in a season when all sin and the devil has been judged? Do you know that? Because if you don't know these things, the world will come at you and you will not be able to stand. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are the people who know the joyful sound, who understand and appreciate the spiritual blessings symbolized by the feast. They walk, O Lord, in the light and favor of, Of your continence. This is the deal. First Corinthians 15 20 says Jesus Christ is the first fruit. What does that mean? If all you know is the New Testament, you don't have a solid foundation in understanding this. Yes. That's true. You don't. Because the New Testament gives us the reality of it. But in order for me to enjoy the reality, I must go back to the foundation. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? My God, my God, my God. I'm about about to burn up. He's the first fruit? So what does that mean? For me and you to understand what it means, we have to go back to Leviticus or Exodus. Or, determine me, but for today, let's go to Leviticus 23 verse 10. Leviticus: 23 verse 10. Is that Mike? Oh wow. You're sticking here, okay? God found you out, my friend. This is Moses. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them. When you come into the land which I give you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of first fruits of your harvest to the priest. They cannot do this until they came to the promised land. Because when they were delivered from Egypt, they were marching. They were walking away. They were walking in the wilderness. So they, the first chance they had to do this was after they settled in Canaan. This first fruit is that third and final celebration that accompanies Passover. So in Egypt, they killed Passover. They had unleavened bread. And immediately, they began to leave Egypt into the wilderness. But they never celebrated this because they had no farm, no harvest. Wow. But when they got to the promised land, wow. this became enacted. Wow. Now, this sheaf of first fruits is a celebration that God gave to Israel to commemorate Jesus rising from the dead. So how did they do this? So on Nisan 14, 14th of Nisan, they killed the Passover. Nisan the 15th they begin the unleavened bread. They eat bread without yeast. In the evening, my God, after sunset on Saturday, the priest will go to a designated farm that was only exclusively designated for harvest barley. On that Saturday night, they will have planted the crop about 70 days before this time. So on that Saturday night, they just go and look around and see which one of these crops are ripening early. They will mark them. And then they will come and pick the stalks of all the early ripening harvest of barley. They put the stalks all together. Let me borrow your, this thing here. They put it all together and make one sheaf from the plurality of stalks that ripened early. You follow me so far? So speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits. Of your harvest to the priest. Verse 11. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. To be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. That word wave. If you look in the NLT. really means lift. You don't wave like this. If you've ever been to a football game. I'll begin to do the waves. Everybody's going like this. If you've been to the beach and see the the waves of water coming in, how does it come? It comes exactly. If you've been on a cruise and you see the waves beating against the ship, it always comes like this. So, waving, and this is huge, there's a reason it has to be like this. So, the priest was to collect a sheaf like this and bring it to the temple before God. In honor of God, in center of God, we recognize without you, we can't do anything. It was you that blessed the ground that produced this crop. So we offer yours to you first. You get the first batch of a harvest. My God. Give me verse 14. Verse 14. Watch this. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh corners on that day until you bring this offering to your God this is a permanent law for you it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live what is he saying God is saying I realize you still have a farm full of crop but you cannot touch any of the harvest on that farm you cannot eat bread from it. You cannot eat grain from it. The farm is deemed unlawful and unacceptable until you bring me the first food. Until you wave my portion to me, the rest in the field is absolutely unlawful and unacceptable. You can't touch it. You can't eat it. It's not yours. But once the priest goes in and waves the first food before God, watch this. All of a sudden, because God accepted that sheaf from the priest, the rest on the field immediately becomes good. Question. What did the crop in the field do become acceptable. What did they have to do all of a sudden for them to become fit? They did absolutely nothing. All the work was in the wave offering. And as long as God was pleased with the offering that was offered, all of a sudden automatically the crop in the harvest on the field became good to God. Now you can appreciate what Paul said you and I are the accepted in the beloved he's got nothing to do with us we didn't do jack to earn it we didn't sweat we didn't toil. we didn't complain we didn't pray but because God accepted him because he rose from the dead and he had to go before God because God accepted him God said Jesus sees you I accept you and therefore all your brothers and sisters who are behind you are automatically accepted <laughs> hallelujah it's by grace and not by works it's it's not the works of man. Let anyone should boast. It's the yes. gift of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. That's what the feast of first fruits was all about. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Now, I told you that in all of history, God has always set this season apart to do incredible things. There are four things consistently that we see through scriptures in this season. Whether it was in Noah's time, whether it was in Exodus chapter 12, or whether it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 with Hezekiah, four things are consistent in this season. Number one, God always judged the wicked world. That's what happened in Noah's time. That's what happened in Egypt when he judged the Egyptians for their wickedness. That's what happened in Ezekiah, 2 Chronicles 28 and 29. Yeah. He always judges the wicked world, number one. Number two, and this is why you need to know this season. Number two, he always brings a blessing or salvation to his people. Amen. Always. Amen. The judgment of the world is always followed by the salvation and the blessing of God's people. Check it out. Are you blessed this morning? Why not? Because if you're not blessed, why not? It just may be because you've not understood the season in which you are. Number three, after having judged the world, after having called his people to salvation or blessed them, number three, he always challenges them to die to the old lifestyle. He never leaves them in the condition he found them. He challenges them. Die to the old lifestyle. And number four, it further challenges them to enter into a new life, a new lifestyle, into a new day. Always, always judgment, salvation, challenge to live the old lifestyle and challenge to enter into a new one. Consistently. Now, let's just go further because of time here. What happened from the cross to the crown? what happened what happened <laughs> go to me with me to look to chapter 43 look shh, I'm sorry look 23 look 23 so you understand the historical background you understand that God has been doing this forever Jesus became the reality of what God began in Genesis. We are accepted in the beloved. Not because we had to do anything to earn it, but because he has already earned it because he paid the price in full. Luke 23. verse, 23. Verse 14. Luke 23, verse 14. Wrong scripture. Okay. Uh, Oh, chapter, no, 23, verse 39. Luke 23, verse 39. Luke 23, verse 39. What happened from the cross to the crown? Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you and I are under the same condemnation? Verse 41 And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, or certainly, or surely, I said to you, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. To the religious church, question, when did he make a confession? When did this guy say, Jesus, I'm a sinner? Where did he say it? And yet Jesus said, not tomorrow. Today. Greg, said, today. Today. Thank you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Where do we get the yoke that we put on people's neck? When they are yearning for God and we are saying to them, you need to fulfill number one, number two, number three, number four, and there may be number five, you'll be saved. If we are saying that, we don't know what he did. The man said, listen. All he said as an unbeliever is, remember me. me. Now, if you're a child of God today, you don't have to ask God to remember you. Uh He already remembers you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will be with you until the end of the ages. As a believer, you don't have to ask God to remember you. He remembers you. Does Does your children Your children in your house, as evil as you are, do they have to ask you to remember them? If you, being evil, do not need reminding for your children to know you, they are there. How much more, God? But for the unbeliever, absolutely. You need to knock on the door and say, remember me. Yes, is what they did. But the point here is, when Jesus went on that cross... Pardon was freely granted yes. 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 without condition right. except believing, yes. Yes. except believing, yes. Yes. and I can give you four scriptures in the book of Acts, where the only condition to be saved is believe. Ah, you guys are looking at me very funny. Okay, let's go to some scriptures. First of all, the classic royal scripture. Put it on there. Romans 10, 9. That's the classic salvation scripture. Romans 10, verse 9. Quickly, sir. Thank you. What did it say? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord, what? Jesus. And what? Believe in your heart that God has what? Raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Tell me where it says you are sitting there. Hallelujah. Show it to me. Let's keep just speak to us this morning, not religion. Otherwise, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection will be in, in vain. Yes. Give me the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 10. No, let's start from verse 8. Chapter 8. Acts 8. Acts chapter 8. Verse 35. Acts 8.35. One, two, quickly. Acts 8.35. Acts 8.35. Hallelujah. Okay, let me read it. Acts 8.35. This is what it says. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Verse 36. Now as they went down the road they came to some water and the Enoch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What's the answer? In verse 37. Then Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart you may. And he answered and said I believe That Jesus Christ is the son of God. End of story. Where is his confession of all his sins of his father and his mother? Now. I'm not minimizing sin. You must understand that clearly. If you sin, you pay the price. But what I'm saying to you is. Which if I get time I'm going to get to it. The reason Jesus came is to put an end to sin. People don't go to hell because they sin, they go to hell because of unbelief. We commit sins because of unbelief. So sins are the, what do you call it, the symptoms. The root is unbelief. If you are correcting the symptoms, you will never be free of sin. But you lay an axe to the root, which is what? Unbelief. All right. You eliminate unbelief, righteousness will show up. Yes. Uh, yeah. But if you continue in the sin business, you are playing with fire. You live a miserable, agonizing, terrible lifestyle, pain continually. Because sin pays wages. Yes. In Acts chapter 10, Peter got to the house of Cornelius, to really break and chatter this religious thinking. The man of God was preaching. He did not even make an altar call yet. He's preaching to sinners. And before he could even make an altar call, the Bible said the Holy Ghost came and were baptized in Holy Ghost. While the man was still speaking. Question, Greg, how could they have been born again? When did they confess their sins? When? While the word was going on, they, became, they started to speak in other tongues. And Peter said, wait a minute. I, I've, not, I've not had time to make my other call. What's going on? Stop, stop. Don't speak in tongues. Stop. Hey, confess your sin. Two. No, that's not what he did. He knew better. Now, in Acts chapter 2, Peter actually said to those Jews who were listening to him to repent and believe. So let me address that. He said they should repent and believe. The question is what does the word repent mean? What does it mean? It does not mean what you and I have read into it. Repent simply means change your mind. Change your mind. Repent. Change the way you are thinking. And then believe what's been offered you. And you do that the Bible says you'll be saved. Amen? Amen? So the first thing we see on that cross is that pardon was granted to the thief. And I'm sure there's nobody here this morning that is a thief. And so if God could grant pardon to a thief, a man who was identified and clearly declared to be a thief, yes. what is it that you are doing that God will not forgive you of? Amen. Why you are you allowing your guilt? And condemnation to beat you down and god is forgiving the thief and selling the thief today you'll be with me in paradise wow. Wow. secondly what happened from the cross to the crown colossians chapter 2 colossians chapter 2. colossians chapter 2. wow time is gone Verses 14 and 15. Colossians 2, verses 14 and 15. I'll start from verse 13. Colossians 2, verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. But that's not all. Verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, this is very simple. Not only did He grant pardon, number two, he defeated all foes and opposition, all foes and opposition. The principalities and the powers. It totally, completely disarmed them. How do we know this for a fact? How do we know this for a fact? We know for a fact because in Matthew chapter 23, the Bible says the graves were opened. And many of the saints who had died previously in demonstration of his power over sin, death, and the devil he released them and they came out of the grave. Yes. No longer being held yes. by the stink of death or the grave. Hallelujah! Yeah. I am telling you that this season is a special season. Yeah. It is a time when God sets aside to do miraculous, stupendous yeah. things. Hallelujah! For as many as are able to believe it, I'm telling you yeah. this is a very powerful time. He granted pardon. He defeated all four and the enemy. And number three, in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14, we are told that, inasmuch then as as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through that, He might destroy him who had power of death. That is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, there are people that are so afraid. They can't sleep at night because they're afraid they will die. It's true. Afraid of death. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he came, Not only died, was buried, rose again from the dead, but in that process from the cross to the crown, he totally, completely released you and I from the fear of death. Why? Because he has conquered death itself. Otherwise, he would not have gotten up. So you and I can live today with the assurance that death cannot hold us down. Pardon is granted. The enemy is defeated. Number three, he has released us from the fear of death. And number four, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This is very important. Verse 18. 1 Peter 3, 18. Look at what the Bible says. For Christ... Who also suffered once for sins? the just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. Yes. This is the reason Guaranteed. that he might what? bring, bring us, us to, to God. The, he just didn't. Listen listen, listen, listen. In Exodus, when Israel left, God told Pharaoh, "Let my first son no. Israel, go." Exodus 4 and he gave the reason that they may serve me. It's not just let them go for going sake. This is our problem in the church. Thank God for resurrection Sunday. Thank God that Jesus rose from the dead. Thank God that we are saved. We are born again. We are heaven bound. Thank God. But at what expense? While you and I are here, how are we serving him? How are we bringing ourselves to him? Because this is the essence of resurrection power. Paul said that I may what? Know him. The power of his what? His resurrection. Being conformable unto his death Amen. through the fellowship of his sufferings. So the issue is from the cross to the crown Jesus paid the price so you and I can be brought unto God. Not just being saved. Being saved is not a destination. Wow. Yes. It is an entry to a process wow. to bring you and I into a place of intimate relationship with, with God. God. Yes, John seventeen three. Yes. This is life eternal, that you may know God. You may know Him, and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. Now we quote that scripture. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. And we stop there. No, 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 no. We are not escaping from just perishing. There's no period after perish. All right. He said that we will not perish, perish and what? Amen. Everlasting life. What is everlasting life? Knowing God. Yeah. Knowing God. So God gave his son so we don't perish and we get to know him. Both. Thank you for that, amen. Thank you for that, amen. amen. Amen? Okay. Let me just close this out. Let me close this out. From the, crown, from the cross to the crown. Number one. You can give me my overhead now. Jesus died for us. Say he died for us. He died for us. Number two. To give us, no, rather, to put his life in us. He died for us. So can give his life in us. To us. Okay, okay, you got it. Give me the first one again. Please, go back to the beginning. There you go. Jesus died for us. Then, second one, to give his life to us. Are you following this? He died for us to give his life to us. Uh What's the intent? What's the purpose? So that he can live his life in us. Uh And lastly, so that we can express his life through us. That's four, key. that's four reasons for everything that's happening right now. Correct. For us, to us, in us, through us. Let's say that together. Say for us, for us. say to us, to us, say in us, in us. and say through us. through us. The first two, it's no problem. Fait accompli. Merci beaucoup. Don't try me further than that. The first do is accomplished. He died for us, we had no part in that. So he can give his life to us, we have no part in that. Yes. But his yearning on this resurrection morning is that he wants to live in us. Now let me explain that to you. Living in you means he wants to change you. This is a personal responsibility to me and you as a result of what he has done. Correct. He died for us so he can live in us. Correct. Correct, He gave his life for us. Now, as a result of his life being in us, he wants not to live in us. Character development, maturity, working in love, being generous, being kind, being merciful self-control patience hello that's what he comes to do in us and as he does that in us now he can express himself through us the in us is for me and you individual the through us is how he wants to reach the world there is no sense for me and you to be shouting and jumping high resurrection. and there's no expression the world still dying They're still in pain. They're still broken. They have no answers. They have no comfort. Now, hello? Hello. And he said, I died for you so that in and through you, I can show myself to the world. We're going to pray now. We're going to pray. And my prayer for us, I want us to ponder this as we pray. Are we allowing him to live through us? In fact, that that should be the second question. The first question should be, are we allowing his life in us? Even though it's there, but it takes me and you yielding for him to be able to do what he wants to do. So the question is, are we yielded? Because the power of resurrection is to bring change. Change to a new day, a new life, a new lifestyle. Just as in Noah's day, when the ark rested, there was change. The judgment was stopped. They came into a new life. In Exodus, when they left Egypt, they left the bondage and the hard oppression life of Egypt behind them. And they entered into Canaan, a new place, a new life, a new set, new way of living. So the same it is was in Resurrection Sunday. When we accept what God has done for us, there must be change. So I want you to ask yourself the question, are you yielding sufficient enough for him to live in you? And if the answer is no, don't be discouraged. Rather just be encouraged to know that Jesus is rooting for you, wanting to encourage you, to allow him to be in you enough to where he's changing you. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And then after you have allowed his life to be lived in you, the others around you are going to start asking you because you're going to see his life expressed through you. Can we just all stand to our feet this morning?